0: Please listen carefully. And welcome in, everyone. Got another episode of the Herd It Here Sports Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Heard. It's just a pleasure to be here with you all today. I am on part five of of what's turned into a little bit of a uh, series on the trade season and the NBA. This is going to be the last part of that series. I'm going to go through the last four teams on my list. Um, and, and then I do want to talk uh, at the end a little bit about how the market has shifted um, since I since I started this series. I mean, it's been about two weeks now. I, I started this a couple days before... Uh, the end of the year so it has been a couple weeks going now haven't actually been any transactions made obviously the Clarkson Dante Exum deal was made but I believe I already um, knew about that by this team by this time at the same time though obviously there's, there's been a lot of news uh, Andre Drummond there has been a lot of news uh, surrounding his possible trade there's the fact of course uh, <laughs> and this comes up in today's podcast in fact with the first team uh, a lot of teams have been performing very well recently, um, so especially a couple of teams that would have been potential sellers, uh, especially given just you know who their GMs are. They're always looking to, you know, play play play, play the future game. They're, they're very uh, savvy GMs to, to say the least. But when I mean, if those teams are winning, it's very hard to sell on your assets at the very least. So you, you know it's going to take a really uh, a really good deal to make it work. Um, uh, so I, I, I'll talk a little bit about that at the end of the podcast, but I'm going to go ahead and launch right into, uh, the first of my four teams. And again, if you haven't listened to the first four parts of this, uh, bravo, uh, wise move on your part, but, uh, you're going to miss a little bit of the context behind this. Uh, in short though, these, I, I picked out 10 teams that I thought were probably going to be active on the market, you know, going out, uh, actively making offers, you know, I had seven teams as well that I thought might be listening. Uh, these are the 10 teams that though, I thought were going to be actively involved. Uh, again, a couple of these teams have sort of fallen out of, or, or I, w- I, would, I would regrade these teams. I think they're probably still listening. I don't know if uh, these teams, I'll go ahead and launch it. Uh, my first team, the Oklahoma City Thunder. I don't, I don't know if they're quite uh, active sellers at this point. I don't think they want to, to tr- make a trade. I think they would be happy, you know, just getting another playoff year. This this I mean, this is the type of team if if Denver ends up in the second seed, uh I think this Oklahoma City team could win. I wouldn't put money on it to be certain. I think it's more like 70-30 odds. Don't get me wrong. Um but I think that is that's that's not unreasonable. If you're the 8th seed, you're not going to beat the 1 seed, uh the Lakers. It's just oh, very rarely is the 1 seed beat the eighth seed. Two seed, two seeds vulnerable, especially these days where, you know, there there, there are there are a lot of de- there are a lot of decent contenders, but there's no really strong contenders outside of L.A. and Milwaukee. Uh, I think the uh, sorry, the Lakers and Milwaukee. I think clearly the Clippers you look to as a team, um, that should be that they're probably that more in the playoffs. I I mean outside of that though I, I there, there is no team at at this point, um. And I think that just makes it so... I mean, the Oklahoma City Thunder are a real playoff team. Um, They're clearly in the 7th seed at this point. And if you're in the 7th seed, you've got a real chance at winning a playoff series. So I think it's hard to sell me on the idea that they're going to trade these guys um, at favorable deals for the other team. They're certainly not just taking on bad money um, for... For a trivial return, it's 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 tough. Um, I think they're going to be listening though. And the thing is, the the uh, Danilo Ganari is quite possibly the most, um, or at least until the Thunder started winning, was probably the most attractive, uh, seemingly available asset on the market. Now that he's not really on the market, you know. I mean, I, you're, he's more in the group of, like, Robert Covington of, like, yeah, he'd be great if you could get him into a trade, but is, you know, is Gerson Rosas really going to give up Covington for anything less than, like, two firsts and not-dead salary? Um, I, I don't know. I, I think they're just there's a difference between we're not listening on a trade—sorry, um, I think there's a difference between we're listening on a trade and we want to trade this guy. Or we are looking uh, to make a trade. Even if it's not we want to trade him because of you know concerns about him. Or even if it's not fit stuff. You're just like, we are ready to go ahead and make a move. I think that still puts a little more pressure on you to make a uh, less favorable move. I mean, other than Danilo, Danilo Gallinari. Obviously, uh, Gallo is going to be a free agent this upcoming summer. Other than him, though, I'm not really sure that you need to just sell on your assets right now. Um, all of Chris Paul, Steven Adams, Dennis Schroeder run at least an extra year. I think CP might be two years and then a player option. Uh, actually, he might be just one year in a player option. I I, I would have to I, I have to look at it. Um, they've got years after this one guaranteed though. I, I I I would not be surprised if they held on to Gallinari. Um, I mean, they could re-sign him. I don't see why not. Um, I, so I think if this team can make the seventh seed this year, they can make the seventh seed next year. Are you going to tell me this? The Kings are definitely going to jump in the playoffs next year. Are you going to tell me Portland is a guaranteed playoff lock next year? I don't know. Phoenix. Are you going to tell me Phoenix is a guaranteed lock next year? I I just don't know that there's anyone that is imminently going to knock out the Thunder next year. Uh, the, the Pelicans would be the one team, um, but again, you know they're they the seven seed, not the eight seed, so they they might still be making the playoffs next year. And it's all a little bit speculative. I'm getting kind of into the weeds. Um, I just I think when you're speculating any th- trade for the Thunder, um, Gallo is the one I I think most people are focusing on because he's you know a, a forward that's the most desirable position. Uh, in the league, but he's also just, you know, a, a a score, versatile score. He fits onto a lot of teams. His salary is a little more manageable too. Um I think he's the guy most people are focusing on. Um but again, but, but anytime you're speculating a trade for this team, you just need to consider the um the fact that these guys are not being shocked. They're, they're not being imminently Shopped by the Thunder. Presty's not looking to offload these contracts. Um, even Chris Paul. Chris Paul makes a lot of money, but you know, on a team like the Thunder, it's not a big deal because they don't have big salary players, and they're not looking to sign big salary players anytime soon. You know, Shea. Shea they'll be paying Shea a lot of money. That's in a couple of years. I think two years probably. Um, and then, if a guy like Darius Bazley hits, you'll be happy to pay him in four years. That again, that's in four years. So let's get into a couple of the a couple of the uh, potential ideas I sort of came up with. One uh, that stuck out to me. I was obviously I talked about Portland in an earlier episode. Uh, I think the Trailblazers would die to do uh, Kent Bazemore and like this year's first lottery protected for Danilo Gallinari. Uh, if they could get Gallo for Kip Basemore in a first, they would be ecstatic. I I don't think the Thunder do that at this point though. Um, although Kip Basemore certainly provides something. Um, because he 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 would be their starting three, actually. That would be a little <laughs> if the Thunder had a another four, that'd be really exciting. Problem is they'd be just switching their uh their uh, you know, their, their gaping hole at small forward for power forward. And they've been doing the three guard lineups with Shea as the small forward. So, I mean, if you want to bring Kent Bazemore and have him be the power forward, you—it's got like a seven foot wingspan. That'd be, uh, that would be interesting. Maybe you could get Rick Carlisle to effect and just lead like a, like a fourteen four guard unit, and then have Stephen Adams at center. Yeah, that 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 would be fun. Maybe, I don't know. Um... A couple other ones here. One I thought made a lot of sense, especially, uh, and I I kind of called this, you know, in the Atlanta section. Atlanta just seems like they're desperate. They, um, I think, at this point, you got to question, you know, the stability of uh, not the front office itself, not the players, not the coaches, but the way they're meshing right now. It seems like somebody's gotta go. Um, it does not seem like this this you know this this infrastructure around. Uh, obviously, Trey Young is you know the main the main he's the he's the superstar he's the uh, he's the 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 star that the other players are revolving around. And the uh, the the example I really like, Seth Partnow, sort of really uh, that brought brought into prominence the heliocentrism idea. Trey Young is great at that he's he's awesome at that that sort of makes him uh, you know very quickly, though, the voice that you have to answer to. And it seems like they are having to answer awfully quickly. Um, They've been linked to Andre Drummond trade deals. We'll see. We'll see. I think it's worth considering if Sam Presti sees that and he sees Atlanta as his one real option to get return for Adams. Does, Does Presti agree to Parsons in a first? For Adams, uh, P- Parsons is expiring this upcoming year. So he's making $25 million, obviously a ton of money. Uh, and obviously, I think he's he's been playing some this year. I think maybe he played some last year. But you have to just consider it dead salary for all intents and purposes. Um, if he plays for you, that's awesome. But that's not why you're making this deal. Um, and, and I think it's so... I think it's certainly possible we see this deal. So Adam's had making about 25 $26 million as well the next couple of years. Uh, two two years left on his contract. Probably a player option next year. I don't know. I, either way, he'll probably be playing on, uh, on this deal next year. Um, I, I think it's interesting just to think about whether the Thunder – because he's the one guy I could see them um, being a little bit fine with trading which and you know what even that's tough cuz he's been there a long time. He was drafted there 6 years ago, 7 years ago? I think it's 6 years ago. Um, you know, I mean he was like the 12 overall pick, 13 pick. He was he was certainly a a, a decently high pick, but he was not a not a top 5 pick. They've developed him. They've turned him he's been like an icon there too. I mean, he's just such an entertaining personality, such a unique character. Um, I, I don't know. I think, I again, these GMs, they value stuff like how great of a presence he is in the locker room with fans. And if you're getting a great return, yeah, okay, whatever. But if the deal is pretty similar, if it's close in value, like I think Adams for Parsons in a first for a team that's not contending, yeah, that's probably... It's probably decent. And again, if we're talking about Atlanta, a first-round pick could be like... I mean, you probably would need to do some sort of lottery protections on it, but you, you could certainly be getting a desirable asset out of that, especially if Atlanta um, is, is a little preemptive in deciding that they're going to be contending with Trae Young, or at the very least, you know, winning games with Trae in the next few years. What if they sent out, like, a top-four protected pick in 2024? You know, I, I could see it. 2025, 2026... There's no way those guys think they'll be uh, a lottery team in in five years, six years with Trey Young. I mean, if they did, they would not be building around Trey Young. That that would you know that defeat that would that would mean that they, the experiment had failed. So I'm probably spending a little too much time on this one trade offer, but I think it's interesting. Um, again, I think it hammers home though. The Thunder are just going to be averse to making any of these trades because is it really worth it? Um, a guy like Chris Paul is so awesome to have around. You know, the one I think Dennis Schroeder is probably not the. Uh, again, though, I think he's been good on their team. I think he's really bought in. I think they clearly have a great culture there. I think you know Billy Donovan. You know, for all the hate—not not hate, but all the uh, the. All the, all the second guessing he got during uh, the time when KD was there and then when it was just Russ, uh, and then Russ and PG, actually. You know, there's a lot of that losing twice in the first round. I mean, he was, he was certainly under a lot of scrutiny. I think he's really proven his himself this year. And I think a lot of it is Chris Paul, too. I think we can't understate how much bringing Chris Paul in just instills a winning culture. If he's buying in, and he has, which is awesome, Um I mean, I. when's the last time Chris Paul has been on a losing team? I don't know if he's ever been on a losing team. I'd have to look it up, see if his early years in the Hornets, but he left the Hornets by age 25, 26. And he'd been in the playoffs for a couple years, few years maybe even. He, he won in college, I bet you. Anyways, um, I have a bunch of these written down just because so many of these trades make sense for the other teams. It's just hard because I think you're going to have to make almost an unfair deal to yourself to get the thunder to budge. so let's run through a few of these. Uh, the nuggets hopping in maybe for Gallinari, uh, you, you could match salary not I mean you're not matching, but again, there's that you can uh, trade up to 120 percent. you can receive up to 120 um, percent of your outgoing salary if you're over the cap. Again, you can't go over, if you're hard-capped, you can't go over that. But in general, the, the, the cap offer, operates as a soft cap. So there are certain exceptions, certain you know loopholes to getting around the cap itself. And in fact, I would say most teams probably end up operating over the cap during the season. Um, <laughs> but uh, I love just getting into stuff like that. I wish I could do that more often. I love cap minutia. I love that sort of stuff. So fun um but but you you could do Gallinari for uh, Mason Plumlee and added Malik Beasley and Juancho Hernan Gomez who the Nuggets had been rumored to uh, be shopping Malik Beasley he's he's you know a good player he's playing a role for them actually he's you know had like a 30 something point game last year i think he's i think he's a promising young player it's just tough to find him spot in the rotation especially when they're ready to win now and I think he maybe just isn't the most consistent guy on the roster. Um Moncho, I mean, again, you know, he's a guy people have liked. He's forward sized, he can shoot. Like you you can see why people would like him. He's he's had flashes in the NBA, but it's been like four years now. So I think the Nuggets would be more than happy to move on from those two guys. I think that'd be a nice uh, and again you're probably throwing in prob- probably probably throwing a couple second rounders this is not I don't think you need to throw in a first rounder um if you're Denver maybe you do it just because you got to get the deal done but their first rounder this year is already gone uh to, to the Thunder actually uh, in, in the Jeremy Grant J- Jeremy Grant trade, like, trade so maybe they could just call it even and say yeah you already got the that one from us so throw in a couple seconds and call it cool I don't know I mean, Malik Beasley is, like, a legitimate return. Um, and Plumley is good, too. Um, Plumley will – I mean, especially Nerlens Noel's been out. Plumley will play for them. Plumlee will – he would play a lot of four for them, I bet. That would be hilarious to see. Oh, my God. Uh, I don't know if this would be – this you know, it probably would work pretty well if you traded Gallo and just had Plumley as your starting four and playing 28, 26 minutes a night. Um, <laughs> you run out. Oh my God, run out. CP3, Dennis Schroeder, Shea, and then you have Plumlee and Stephen Adams. That would be an interesting. I mean, I guess they can already do that with Nerlens Noel and Stephen Adams, but that would just be that would be a lot of fun. Uh, just, again, probably not going to happen. I think Denver would love to make that deal. Maybe not though, because I think they love Mason Plumlee I would love that deal for them to be certain. Um. Another Gallo trade, uh, Gallo for Ibaka and a second round pick. This one I think kind of makes sense. Their salaries are very close. Ibaka's like 23 million, uh, Gallo's around 22 million. I think you do that straight up, throwing a second round pick. Um, let, let, me, let me see. Yeah, so Ibaka is a free agent uh, after this year. Um, Gallinari is a free agent after this year. I mean, just swapping expiring contracts. I think Gallinari is a very clear upgrade, though. Just given the needs of this Toronto team, Pascal Siakam's awesome. He's been phenomenal this year. He's probably he's got to be a shoe in for most improved player again. I, I would imagine it's it's hard, it's hard to really construct an argument for anyone else. It just if you're considering the value added of becoming this, you know, the the tiers that he's jumped from are more valuable than jumping from mediocre to good or good to really good. He's jumped from really good to you know, top 15, top 10. So that's a little more valuable. But what the team really needs, what they, you know, it's been pretty obvious the second they lost, sorry, they, the second they lost Kawhi, it was sort of the reason they traded for Kawhi. It's why they lost so many times in the playoffs the years before, outside of the fact that LeBron uh, owned the team. They just need more scoring, especially like self created on ball scoring. And Galinari, that's what he does. I mean, Gallinari is not going to come in and play a uh, great winning defense. And again, Ibaka's defense is probably much better than Gallinari's. I haven't watched that much Ibaka this year. I think he's, you know, just much more of a natural defender, long arms, uh, smarter. He's been playing in their system for like three years now, I think. it's And that's that's a really tri- – that's an interesting trade to go back and think about. I mean, we've sort of forgotten about it at this point, but the uh, – Throwing out... Not throwing out, that's a little disrespectful. Trading Terrence Ross for Serge Ibaka. You know, I think that the Magic were probably pretty happy with that return, given that they had already lost uh, Oladipo in the initial Ibaka trade. Uh, I, I think that worked out pretty well for both sides, um, in fact. Another another Raptors trade, you could try doing Steven Adams for Mark Gasol in a second rounder. This one, I just... I don't I am not a, a enough of a basketball mind to know whether or not this is a smart move. I don't know if the you know the like basketball savant uh, or the level of like basketball IQ that um, Marcusov brings to the floor. Does that really is that so valuable that uh, Steven Adams like six years of less play you know, he, he's younger he's much younger. Much more athletic, although it's still not going to go out on the floor and defend. But say he's probably a lot, a lot more mobile than uh, Marcus Gasol at this point in his career. Is that worth the upgrade? Or I guess the real way to put it is that an upgrade. I don't really know. I don't know enough. Um, I don't know. If I don't know enough about evaluating talent to know whether Gasol or Stephen Adams would fit better for that Thunder team. So it's just one I would throw out there. Um, because it, it works very easily. It's an easy trade to make. Um, it's around, I mean, it's reasonable value. It's a trade you could make work if you wanted to work it. Uh, few more trades. So another Stephen Adams to the uh, Hawks trade, you could do Evan Turner plus Jabari Parker. That'd be kind of an interesting way to do it. Uh, again, you're probably throwing in a, a first there as well. But, I mean, Jabari Parker, especially if you're trading... Um, well, actually, I was thinking, hey, yeah, I guess that would make more sense for a Gallo trade. Uh, and the Hawks still have no need to trade for Gallo. So, I was going to say Jabari Parker would, you know, help fill in at power forward. Though, he'd still be their power backup power forward. Probably have to play him at small forward So It'd be a little scary. Yeah, You know, Evan Turner probably played 30 minutes of small forward for him. The Thunder. Um, I, move on from that one. Um, I thought... Now that we've seen the resurgence of the Pelicans, now that they might be buyers instead of sellers, um, you could do Gallinari for Etwan Moore, Darius Miller, and you'd have to throw in Nikhil Alexander-Walker, uh, probably like a second-rounder. Uh, but, but, I mean, I think is a pretty solid asset, especially. Uh, number one, I didn't even think about till just now, but reuniting the two cousins, uh, reuniting the hyphen cousins, Gilgis Alexander and Alexander-Walker, um... That would be fun, but, you know, I think obviously Brandon Ingram is probably your starting power forward in theory. He's probably, I, I, although I guess if you do this, what you do is, um, yeah, so it's one of those situations. They have Zion coming back, and they have Brandon Ingram, and Brandon Ingram is probably a power forward. Though, who knows? Maybe he is a small forward. Maybe he's a shooting guard. I think I've heard people say that before stuff to imagine but Kevin like Kevin Durant kind of played shooting guard a little bit he's, he's more of a shooting guard um, in his younger days I think than a power forward just and I, I don't know enough of Kevin Durant's game I am just thinking he was probably a weaker defender didn't really understand um, how to be like a like a weak side blocker or whatnot so I think you' probably just better just put him on a man so you chase him around and if he's got the ball defend him um, but I guess the point is they could probably still use that forward help because, yeah, they've got Brandon Ingram, they've got Zion Williamson, and then they've got Derek Favors as the center. They've got, like, three other centers as well. But the problem is, um, yeah, they've got Zion and Brandon Ingram, so there's the two starters. They have nothing else, though, at, at small forward or power forward. So it's it's tough. How do you, you know, I mean, you can bring in Gallo and put him on the bench. That's tough. You probably have to, like, just do some weird starting lineup machinations where I mean, maybe you do Drew Holiday um, at point guard and Brandon Ingram at shooting guard and, you know, Gallo at the three, Zion at the four, um, favors of the five, at least just to start, just to get everyone there, uh, whatever, get everyone feeling good about themselves. Um, I don't know. I think that's one worth thinking about. And I think uh, Nikhil will be a, a nice asset for the Thunder and i don't think you know i don't think that's too much to give up for the pelicans i think they've got a lot, a lot of these young guys who developed a lot of these young point, you know or ball handling types too frank jackson Nikhil, and, and of course lonzo uh, and, and i think zion's going to handle the ball a lot um but i don't know, i think that's certainly one worth considering uh last two i had on here um i thought stephen adams to the Mavericks, if they wanted to, and again, this is one I don't think the Mavericks do this because I think the Mavericks uh, value Dwight Powell a lot just because of like the the culture stuff he brings. But if you did Adams for Dwight Powell and Courtney Lee, uh, you're probably throwing in a couple second rounders. Might have to throw in a first rounder. Maybe it's like a fake first that's really a couple second rounders uh, or maybe like a borderline asset as well. You could also, though, if the if the Mavericks really wanted to uh, do a revamp of the team and really make like a playoff push, uh, sort of consolidate the salary they have. You know, I, I mean they kind of did it. Obviously, it was a much different trade last year, um, but just in terms of like the uh, the whole bench swap, you know, like in hockey you have like all the guy, not not everyone, but it's like the the platoon swap. You have, like, three guys go to the bench at once. Well, the, the the Mavericks shipped out, like, three guys that were in their rotation and brought back, you know, three guys that are now a huge part of their rotation. They sent out DeAndre Jordan, Wesley Matthews, and they must have sent someone else, but I, I can't think of them right now. Um, You know, those guys were, like, starting for them. Oh, it's Dennis Smith Jr. Dennis Smith Jr. was, like, their second-best player. So they sent out three guys who were a huge part of the rotation. Got back Tim Hardaway Jr. and Courtney Lee, who and Courtney Lee hasn't been much a part of the rotation, but you know, TSJ was start he's been starting a lot this year. I think he was at least playing a big rotation role last year. And they got Chris Asporzingis, who obviously is their second best player this year. So they swapped out a huge chunk of their team. It's I was just talking about with, you know, the Raptors, just in this little uh, talking about their trade, it's it's so important that they're like is together because they've all been there and they all know how to run the defense. They all make, know Nick Nurse and everything. But you know, Dallas is just like, ah, screw it. And just like swapped out a third of their, you know, half the rotation, half their s- starters. Um, why wouldn't they do it again? This isn't even on that same level. I mean, Powell, for, Powell and Courtney Lee for Stephen Adams and then the trade I'm alluding to, I don't think I actually said it. I think I just rambled on that whole time without saying it. Um, What you could do uh, is the Thunder would trade out Steven Adams and Danilo Gallinari. uh, And the Mavericks would send out Dwight Powell, Courtney Lee, and Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, And then probably, you know, probably a cut. So I think they they have the Warriors uh, second round pick unprotected this year. That's probably going to be like the 31st, 32nd pick in the draft. They'd send that out and then maybe a couple other second round picks. Um you might might have to give I don't know, that's tough. You might have to give more value. That's 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 tough to sell the thunder on. I don't really know how you sell the thunder on that looking at it more just cuz it's not like the Mavericks have an easy asset you just throw in. Um the thought was getting back Dwight Powell makes the Stephen Adams thing a lot easier to stomach, but it, you're just not not really getting any value out of that. That's 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 one that might not really work for the Thunder. Last one though. I'll talk about this in the later section because this is this is a, this is a, a team we am gonna talk about later. You could package Gallinari and Schroeder uh, for Mike Conley. So Mike Conley is a guy. He's making like thirty north of thirty million dollars this year. Uh, never made an All-Star team, but I think it's generally you know. He's considered an All-Star level player the last few years, definitely fell off this year. His stats are not actually bad. He's had some good shooting games, had some good scoring games in terms of just raw output. But just especially people that watch the Jazz a lot seem to be concerned, say so he just seems. And people that uh, watched Memphis a lot and followed Memphis, and I've seen him this year, so he just seems slow. Just seems you know maybe it's injury recovery, but it just seems a little a little off. Um I again I don't know enough to say for myself. What I can say though is this this is a trade that would work. If you bring it, if you if you believe that a backcourt of Donovan Mitchell, Jordan Clarkson and then bringing in Dennis Schroeder, If you think that that can be your point guard lineup pretty much, you know, I mean I I think that works. Does it work as well as, you know, Mike Conley when he's working well? Probably not. But if Mike Conley's not going to be working well then I think what you got to do, and I think they have Conley. Assuming they're gonna re-sign him after, hey, he's got, he's he's got like the only ETO in the league, uh, so he's got an option, probably for the same amount of salary next year. Um, so you're almost wanting to get out of that to an extent, but again, this is one I just don't have. I don't I don't have a feeling Conley at all. Uh, he's been out like 15 games straight. There was like he he was out for. Several games came back for a couple games, and it's been out for a bunch since. And the Jazz have gone on like a huge um, winning not streak, but they've been winning a lot recently. Maybe they look to move him, and if they do, I- I'm going to talk about this one a little bit later. I think this would be a really interesting t- trade for the Jazz. As for the Thunder, it's really weird getting Mike Conley, uh, and putting him, you know, sw- swapping out Dennis Schroeder and putting in Mike Conley. So now you have Conley, Chris Paul, and Shea. That's bizarre. That's you know, that's way more bizarre than what they have now. You know, I mean, if you're getting a, a real first-round pick from the Jazz, if it's going to be the 23rd pick in this next draft, maybe you just say, we have so many picks, we don't really care. But if you're going to get a pick that's this year, I think that's a huge, that's that's just huge. I th- I think NBA GMs, like, you know, in 2K, you can value the a pick six years from now the same as one net you know, next year, but in 2K, I guess you're not going to get fired from playing 2K. Like, the problem with GMs doing stuff like that is they get fired. Like, you know, what happens with Presty happens. He never gets to see his picks translate. So, if you can get a pick this year, I think that's a lot more valuable. And then maybe, you know, yeah, you have so many picks out later years, well, you just start trading those once your team is better. Um... So I think that maybe they do that, you know. I, I, Jazz don't really have any assets to attach. Maybe they throw in, like, to like Justin Wright Foreman. I don't know if he's really even an asset. Um, that was the last one I wanted to discuss, though. I'll talk about how that looks from the Jazz's perspective in a minute. Again, though, this is one of those teams, they seem like they should be the main seller on the market. I mean, Gallinari is a great asset, and he fits on every team But he's like a fair value too, because he's not like undervalued uh, on his salary. He's gonna be able, you're gonna be able to trade players that get to making up decent value. At the same time, you're still gonna be able to add up players that are less talented and get back Gallo as a much more talented player to replace them. He would be an awesome trade chip, and it's just, it's not, it's it's tough to it's tough to find a real trade to make one that the thunder want to accept because um, either the team's gonna the uh the team working with the thunders gonna have to give up so much that it's not worth it anymore or the thunder are gonna be like why well why bother so this one yeah tough um tough I mean I'm gonna go ahead and move on but I just think uh maybe the closing point on them I've heard a lot of talk recently that um Obviously, there was an initial wave of this is going to be just a weak trade deadline. It's not going to be very much action. It's just not that much on the market. And then there was a lot of pushback of, well, it probably just seems that way. You're probably overthinking it. Um, There just always are trades made. And there certainly are a lot of players that could be traded. You know, we get in the trade machine. It looks like all these deals work while teams make them. I think, number one, teams generally value the assets they have on their team more than assets on other teams. Um, and number two, I think there's just a lot of teams this year that feel they are either contending this year or in the future, uh, if not for a title, then for playoff berths, and that's important for a lot of teams. So I I don't think the market's very strong. I mean, you look at a team like the Thunder, they would be one of the biggest sellers. If you go by it team by team, I mean, you can say the old lines, oh, there's always something that happens, there's always something that surprises us, yeah, yeah. Doesn't make, doesn't make it more true. And again, there probably will be a couple surprises that come out of nowhere. Um, but I think when you go through it team by team, there's just not very much incentive on any of these teams to make trades. There's just, there's, there's few teams that are incentivized to give up their players' value. You know, everyone wants to get players of value and send back nothing. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen um, Zaire Smith and Mike Scott and uh, Jonah Bolden for Davis Bertans five thousand times at this point. It's just just not going to happen. Like these teams are giving up. Again, there's value to Zaire Smith, but it's like fringe value. It's it's lottery ticket value. Davis Bertans is already, like, a really good player. It's tough. It's tough. This is not a league... Again, we're so focused on the draft and draft picks and developing your young players, but at at the end of the day, when we're talking about trade deadline, trade season, teams are trying to win. So many of these teams are trying to win. Even the rebuilding teams are not... You know, they're not selling stuff at this point. Nobody's... The teams that are selling have sold already. So, at this point... (laughs) There's a lot of teams. It's not really limbo. You know? Usually you would say these teams are in limbo. They're not in limbo. Yeah, they're just playing a little better than expected. They're in a better situation than they expected. There's just no reason to make a trade. So let me move on uh to these last few teams. And don't worry. The last few teams are not gonna take nearly as long uh, as the Thunder. Thunder were really the most interesting team. Um it's tough to just it's, it's just tough. Tough to find a trade that both teams are emphatically willing to make. So, next thing we're going to talk about, uh, the Houston Rockets. I think everyone probably looks to them as, you know, a team that's obviously going to make a trade, right? I mean, it's the Rockets. It's Daryl Morey. Like, he's, that's what he does. He makes moves. It's a little tough this year. They don't have any superfluous salary. I think last year, um, obviously last year in the, Preseason, the off-season, they made the trade of Ryan Anderson on their on, who was on their books, uh, along with DeAnthony Melton, traded those two guys to the Suns for Brandon Knight's contract, which was generally considered dead money, uh, and Marquise Chris, uh, an experiment that did not quite work out. Uh, Chris was later traded uh, in the it, later in the season, before the trade deadline, actually. Uh, so was Knight. I think they actually both went to Cleveland um, in a three-way trade that netted them Iman Shumpert. Um They also gave up a first-round pick in that trade. So I, 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 I mean, just talking about all that, you know, t- tough, tough to really trace that and see what they ended up with, uh, which was virtually nothing, virtually nothing in the long term. So that that's tough. But the problem is this year they don't even have a Brandon Knight salary at the trade deadline to work with. And that's sort of the point I was getting to. Um they're 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 paying guys that are good, which is a problem a lot of the league has. The Celtics are the same way. Like the guys they decided to pay a lot of money to, they're good. And like these other guys that like make a little bit of money or like a decent amount of money, but like they're better than those contracts, so you're not going to trade them. Like they're even more valuable than their contract is. So it's it's tough. Um, the Rockets, you got Russell Westbrook and James Harden both making thirty eight million dollars this year, uh, and for the next four years, they'll be making, you know, that amount plus eight percent each year. Uh, so a lot of money. Um, Clint Capella is the third highest paid guy on the roster, making $14.89 million. He is the one guy you actually look to as a possible trade ship, so we'll mention him a little bit later. Problem is, though, I mean, he's, uh, again, he's their starting center. He's a very valuable piece. He was really valuable to their team in the 17-18 year where they were um, a juggernaut in the regular season, the number one seed, uh, took the Warriors to seven games, up 3-2, going to game six at home. Um, he was really valuable for them, so I I am I am not I'm not in on the give up on Glenn Capella train. I think he is he should be able to to contribute a ton to a James Harden team. Um. I I I don't know though. I don't know. Maybe maybe you've, you know maybe Darren Morris sees something I don't, but I I don't know. Uh, it's that's t- that's tough. Uh, obviously the next uh, well not obvious but. Next guy is Eric Gordon, making 14 million. Problem is, he signed that extension over the off-season, so he's not eligible to be traded. Uh, otherwise, he he probably would be traded. Um, he's making like 18 million a year the next couple of years after this year, so he's going to be probably overpaid given he's not performed uh, awfully well this year. He's been injured a lot too, I think. So I don't know, I'll cut him a little bit of slack. I'm, yeah, he's only he's only played 14 games, so. Yeah, I mean, that's tough. Uh, that, that's part of the reason he's not as valuable, though. Is he just he missed, he was very injury-prone um, in his time earlier on, especially with the Pelicans, uh, the Hornets then. Uh, but again, though, he has this extension. He's not going to be eligible. El- he is ineligible to be traded, unfortunately. Uh, two other guys, actually. Austin Rivers and Gerald Green, both on minimum deals. Actually, Austin Rivers might be making a little more than the minimum. I'm not sure. Uh, they're both also ineligible to be traded just because of probably Bird Right situations. Um, the other guys they have though, the Rockets, PJ Tucker, making eight point three million. And you're insane if you trade PJ Tucker. He's so valuable to that team. I mean, they just can't do it. Um, and if they do, they're just I mean, they've given up, as far as I'm concerned. So I just won't even. I won't even entertain the thought of trading PJ Tucker. It's it, it makes no sense. Uh, You're not going to get you're not going to get value for him. He's the most. He he, there's no place he provides more value than the Houston Rockets. That just that's just it. Just is what it is. Um, These other few few other guys, Daniel House. Daniel House is making three point five million. You know you could certainly try to package that with a couple of these other guys and get something. But he's they're starting small forward. He's really important for their team. You can't really trade him unless you're getting a small start like a starting caliber small forward back, and even then you, you would like to have another small forward on your roster anywhere. Um, but again, three point five for him, uh, Nene, Ben Mclemore, uh, then you get guys like Tavo Cephalosha, Tyson Chandler, Isaiah Hartenstein, uh, on minimum deals. They're probably, whatever the the. the the only real salary here is Clint Capella. That's the problem. What are you really getting with Daniel House's $3.5 million and Nene's 2.5? million? You're going to get $6 million in return? Really? I mean, maybe you could fit Davis Bretons into that, but the Wizards aren't giving you Davis Bretons for that crap. You're not getting anything valuable for that. That's the problem. You throw in a first-round pick, maybe. You're not getting Bretons, though. Heck no. It's just not happening. The Wizards value him too much. They're not giving Breton's up for the 26th pick in the draft. Um, the only thing I could see happening is Clint Capella getting traded. And even then, there aren't that many options out there. It's tough. It's tough. Uh, I think on Twitter today I saw some dude posted a couple ideas. Uh, one was actually uh, I think you do, you would do like Clint Capella for Robert Covington and like Maybe it was like Noah Vonley and it's just like matching salary. It doesn't really matter. It's pretty much Capella for Covington. And I think if the Rockets gave up their unprotected first round pick this year, you know, the twenty fifth pick or whatever. That might be that might be okay. That might be alright. The problem is obviously the Timberwolves have Carl Anthony Towns as their starting center. So, you know, that's probably not super valuable. It's possible though. Again, this is one of those places where it's, I think it's very, very obvious that I don't know the ins and outs of basketball like many people do uh, <laughs> that are talking about basketball like I do. which but, I mean, just conceptually, it kind of makes sense that you could play Cat and Clint Capella together. I mean, um, it's so Cat's never been a phenomenal rim protector as far as I'm concerned. I think he's probably a little spotty on defense. Uh, maybe if you could put him on power forwards more often. Again, he's going to get burnt by some guys, but have him just drop back. And if there's a guy that's draining threes on him, whatever. Your team sucks anyways. It's fine. Like, you're just trying to develop Cat at this point. Uh, Get him some semblance of hope, but you just have him on fours almost, and Clint Capella guards the rim. And Clint Capella doesn't really guard the rim anyways, so you just have, like, two switching bigs. It's just a switching system. Um, I think really what you think about is offensively, though. Does it, it... Is it... is it worthwhile to have Clint Capella on offense? I mean, Taj Gibson was sort of a similar, you know, player to Clint Capella, just in terms of, that's not really true. Taj Gibson was just more of a, Not he's not a face-up guy, but he would, like, take jump shots more, and he would um, pass the ball more. Clint Capella's not going to, like, stand on the elbow and make, like, passes, or, like, be on the perimeter and make passes. I don't know. That's tough. That's tough. Um, I, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. That that would probably, if you could get that done, that's the best thing in the world. Ideally, what you probably try to do is a three-way trade. Uh, you probably try to route Clint Capella to Atlanta, for example, uh, and, and Atlanta sends back, you know, Jabari Parker and um, I don't know. Maybe you send Cam Reddish. You know, bite the bullet. Send Alan Crabbe and Cam Reddish. Uh, so, something like that. Something like that. It's not probably not gonna happen though. Very, very unrealistic, I would say. Um, the couple I did think up. This one's also very unrealistic, just because, you know, it's Orlando and Orlando has not only uh, Nikola Vucevic as their starting center, they also have Mo Bamba as the backup. Uh, but theoretically, Capella plus Nene for Aaron Gordon would be awesome for the Rockets. You know, if only Aaron Gordon was on a team that didn't have a bunch of centers, that would be really cool. Probably not going to happen, though. And by probably, I mean like it's not going to happen. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, two other trades, though, that you could theoretically make pretty much straight up for the, uh, for the Rockets if you wanted to. You could do straight up Marvin Williams for Clint Capella. I think the Hornets might consider that. Um, I think Marvin Williams is a big part of their part of their team, but I mean, they've got PJ as the power forward. Miles Bridges plays some small, uh, sorry, he plays some power forward as well, small forward. I mean, they've, 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 I think they'll be fine. I think they play Dwayne Bacon there some. Um, and I, I I, just, I think Cody, Cody Zeller would probably just play a little bit of power forward too. Um, and then you would have Clint as the center. Uh, or I don't know, maybe, again, maybe Clint Capella would be like your Pseudo power forward and Cody Zeller's the center. I think Clint Capella is probably everyone always talks about his movement ability. It's not like that level, I don't think. It's not like guard a guy that's, you know, an on ball creator one on one all game. I don't know though. I think that'd be interesting. Um, and I think that's one of the trades that like the Hornets, number one, could definitely use like a really good center like Clint Capella. I think Cody Zeller's good and they like him. But if you could just have like another guy like you, what you're pretty much doing is you're taking all Bismack beyond minutes and then um obviously the the two at cody zeller and Clint Capella are gonna have to try to replace some of marvin williams minutes uh i don't know we would see we can see i i, I could see that making sense for both sides uh and the other one i could kind of see making sense for both sides again this is really tough because the Knicks already have Mitchell Robinson, but Marcus Morris for Clint Capella, straight up. Uh, the Knicks are dumb enough to make a trade like that and just take on two centers. Uh, and as far as value is concerned, that's totally a fair value proposition. Um, yeah, this is this is tough. You would just, <laughs> I don't know. If 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 the if you're the Rockets, you might have to try to make a three-way trade with Clint Capella if you're even to try to do that. And that's just so complicated, you know, to have. Not just two teams, but three teams going through on something like this. It just doesn't really happen that often. So, it's tough. Um, I, If I was going to predict, I would say Houston moves like Nene. Uh, Nene plus Cephalosia or something. I don't know if Cephalosia plays for them. Um, but move like two non-rotation guys for a 4 or $5 million a year player. Maybe they get like Reggie Bullock or something. I don't think they're going to make a big move though just because they don't really have the salary for it. It's tough. It's tough to make those sort of things work when you're actually playing paying players that are good. Actually, the last thing, uh just theoretically, it would be really uh interesting to start thinking about a Russell Westbrook trade. I don't I don't know if Daryl Morey thinks that. I just I don't know how he evaluates this team. I don't know cuz if you're the GM, you are working for your owner. The owner Sorry, you're working for the governor. That's why That's why they don't want the word owner anymore, okay? Because people say stuff like that. It's a little weird. It's a little weird. A brief aside. Um, but uh, the point I'm trying to make, Daryl Morey is working for Tillman Fertitta, and if Tillman Fertitta says, I don't really give a crap about the playoffs, I would like to make the playoffs and win a couple rounds, but we're not going to win the title anyways, you know, maybe he just like doesn't believe in James Harden as a title player. Uh, so hey, just maximize the regular season. Just win as many games as you can. be as entertaining as possible. uh Russell Westbrook does that, and the thing is, and the thing I think people discount is Chris Paul and James Harden gives you like a you know ninety percent chance at fifty wins and like a thirty percent chance at sixty wins at this point in their career. James Harden and Russell Westbrook that gives you more like an ninety nine percent chance at 50 wins and like a you know like a fifty percent chance at sixty wins something like that um obviously the roster you have around them this year is struggle to an extent especially like eric Do- eric Gordon missing as much time is tough but again if you're relying on eric gordon that's that's also tough so what happens when you're paying two guys 38 mil it's just tough to build around but I, I think that, you know, there's some merit to the idea of, hey, we're just trying to win games in the regular season. We're trying to be entertaining. We're trying to keep our fans happy. We're trying to keep the owner happy. We're trying to just, you know, make trying try to run a reputable organization, run out the next four or five years of James Harden's prime, be a great organization, and then start the next generation, and maybe that generation will win a title. I don't think there's, at least from an ownership's perspective, that – I don't think that's an unreasonable uh, frame of mind, even if it is, you know, a little bit lame. <laughs> uh, let me move on, though. So third team I had was the Utah Jazz. They were a lot more interesting two weeks ago. Uh, they've been winning a lot recently, though, so a lot less interesting. Again, though, as I mentioned in the Oklahoma City section Winning a lot without Mike Conley, uh, so this recent stretch has been without Mike Conley. They have they sort of struggled with him. It seemed to be not really gelling. They have Jordan Clarkson and Donovan Mitchell as uh you know not lead guards, but they can operate as lead guards to be certain. And then you've got Joe Ingles running his pick and roll. Um, the, it, it, and of course uh, Bogdanovich's on ball shot creation. Maybe they're looking. Maybe maybe they entertain Mike Conley trades, within the organization. Maybe they think about it. I don't know. Be interesting to look in there. Um, But as far as anything else, they're winning. And of course, the other thing, you know, even more than that, they already made the trade that makes sense. They moved Dante Exum, uh, traded Dante Exum and a couple second round picks for Jordan Clarkson on the Cavs. That trade's helped a lot. Clarkson's, you know, provided a lot for their team, especially with Conley out. They probably don't really need to make another trade. They're probably not looking to. The one thing they could do, just looking down their roster, they could try to move Ed Davis. Ed Davis has not been particularly good for them. He's only been playing a few minutes a game. Um, it's It's been a rough season. I think maybe what you would try to do uh, if you trust Tony Bradley as the backup center especially which I don't know if they do but what you probably really do is you sign a guy off the bio market. Um, assuming one pops up you could try to trade Ed Davis who makes about he makes 4.7 million uh, try to so actually the one I had the one idea I had if the 76ers make that trade with the Mike Scott Zaire package if Mike Scott is like on some crappy team that doesn't need him. You could pretty much just swap Mike Scott for Ed Davis. That'd be really interesting. Um, they could certainly use him on the team, it's just like a another shooting power forward. The power forward is their real one real spot they could probably use some depth. I mean, obviously they've got Ingles and Bogdanovich, so sometimes those guys will slide down to power forward. And Royce O'Neal actually I think plays power forward for the most of the time, but you know, I think it wouldn't be the worst idea to get another bigger guy. You know, obviously, um, Rudy Gobert was playing with Derek Favors for the last few years. I don't know if you really need a Derek Favors type who's really just a center in you know in the power forward position. But if you get someone that's like a bigger guy, someone that's like a real power forward at the very least. That's not like a small forward pretending to be a power forward. Um and Mike Scott would—he's not really a big guy, but he'd be nice depth there. Again, you're moving 4.7 million in salary. You're not getting Giannis. Um, a couple other names I had—you do Reggie Bullock straight up. Reggie Bullock is just another name. Makes like four million, so he's gonna get—he's probably gonna get traded. Reggie Bullock would be shocked if Reggie Bullock doesn't get traded because it's the same as last year. Like just trade salary in a second for him. And, you know, the Knicks are way worse than the Pistons, so the Knicks have no reason to keep him. Just trade him. Just trade him. Um, and some team is going to want to take him because I don't know he's a guaranteed part of your rotation in the playoffs, but he might be. He's worth taking a shot on, especially over, you know, the whatever $4 million paid guy that's not your rotation on the bench that you know sucks. May as well trade him, get a shot at Reggie Bullock. Uh, you could package Ed Davis and, like, I don't know, package him and George Nyang, package Nyang. Th- th- actually, problem is, you know, Tony Bradley, Nyang, uh, Moutier, Royce O'Neal, those guys all play for them, uh, play for the Jazz. Maybe you move uh, Nigel Williams-Goss, makes 1.5, uh, plus Ed Davis. That gets you up, I think, to the Jay Crowder number. Uh, maybe you have to do Tony Bradley and uh, and Ed Davis, but you know you could you could do that. Get Jay Crowder. He's just like one of those kind of bigger bodies I'm talking about. <laughs> Again, though, that one doesn't make any sense because Jay Crowder did play for the Jazz like last year. He was in the Mike Conley trade. Uh, I I I have a feeling the Jazz probably weren't super thrilled with his performance, or they wouldn't have been uh, been so willing to part with him. I just I don't think they're going to want Jake Crowder back. I think that was an intentional move, I don't think he ever played that well there. Um, a couple of the Conley trades, though. Obviously, the Conley for Gallinari-Schroeder deal, I talked about that earlier. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, again, I want to preface that with, if you have given up on the thought that Mike Conley is, you know, your third best player... And if you don't think he can be your third best player uh, in the conference finals on this team, then you should probably trade him. You probably should. Um, actually, you know what? That's not true. If you think you can be like a really good fourth or fifth best player, you still would keep him probably. If you don't think he's going to be like a impact player, you know, late in the playoffs, though, if you think he's going to be taking away from your team hitting its peak, I think he's worth looking at a move. And if you could do Mike Conley and a first-round pick, which your first-round pick in 2020 is not helping you win the title in the 1920 season. It's not. Not unless you trade it. <laughs> so maybe you do that, and then you get Gallinari and Schroeder back. But Gallinari, he is exactly who I'm talking about. He's a power forward you throw in, not a huge, you know, um, not a Derek Favors type center body, but he's like 6'10. He's just a bigger guy. He's a power forward. He's not a small forward parading as this power forward. He's a you know, a really good shooter to create offense. Would provide a lot of value on that team. It'd be fun to see him and Bogdanovich beside each other, just in terms of you know, to I mean Gallinari definitely looks like a like a legit NBA athlete. Bogdanovich Sorry, Bogdanovic looks like a legit athlete. He just kind of got like the balding look, kind of the Alex Caruso, Joe Ingles, the kind of balding got the goofy hair style. Gallo always looked like a real player. Uh, he he kind of he kind of reminds me of a uh, Ronaldo, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. It's kind of Gallo, I don't know. Kind kind of always struck me as that sort of athlete. Um, <laughs> a little taller though. Though man, Ronaldo can get up. He could. Uh, he could play basketball. Um, I think this would be a really interesting trade, though. Gallo's a great fit. Schroeder, I think it makes sense to, you know, run a rotation. You're probably gonna go ahead and start Donovan Mitchell and Clarkson as your backcourt, and have Schroeder as your third uh, third guard. That's a great three guard lineup, though. Uh, very good at the. You know, and then you have Moody as your fourth guy. I like that. I like that. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, that's pretty much it, though, for the Jazz. It's just not that, not that many options. Not really that many ways to go. Uh, and again, they already made their trade. If Dante Exum was on this team, I w- I would have like 15 different offers made. But they made their trade. They made the trade of the superfluous salary on their books. So let's go ahead and move on. Go move on to the last team of the episode. And I'll say this was probably one of the more interesting ones to think about. Uh, the Toronto Raptors, Toronto Raptors, going into this year, I think a lot of people thought they might be a, a big, a big, a big part of the trade deadline. So they might be trading guys like Kyle Lowry or Marcus or Serge Ibaka, sort of selling off the team. That has not been the case. Uh, the The Raptors have been awesome. Obviously, they've dealt with some injuries. Uh, that's definitely sort of brought down the level of success the team's had, but they've they've played really well, they've gotten contributions out of Pat McCaw, Rondae Hollis-Jefferson's been awesome for this team, um, Ananobi's been great again, uh, sorry, Chris Boucher, I didn't even mention Chris Boucher and Terrence Davis, both, you know, phenomenal finds, Chris Boucher's been in the system for a couple of years, you know, with the 905, but you know he's just been great this year, and we actually uh, when I was in Vegas at the NBA NBA Summer League, I I got to hear from uh Charles Dubois. Um, he he's a coach the coach for the nine oh five. Actually, he was one of the developmental guys. He was specifically assigned to Chris Boucher, and he sort of uh, walked us through, you know, some of the film he had with Boucher, and sort of uh, just a little bit of like how he um would teach him it was it was very interesting to just get a little bit of that insight you could tell though that Boucher was you know the g league m v p last year it's not like he's an unknown commodity, but you could tell um just listening to the coach talk about him he was <laughs> he was pretty sold on boucher um at least as a contributor and that's what he's been he's a very very solid contributor, probably twenty minute off the mid off the bench guy but the thing is he could probably play in the finals. Like he's 27 this year, so you know, this is his quote unquote rookie NBA year, probably. I, actually, he's probably played in the NBA the last couple of years, um, but but was not on a full contract. He he could totally play in the finals, though, I think, which I think that's kind of weird to think of in your first year, but you know, I mean, he's he's an adult, he's 27, you could tell. Um, I, I think I, I really like Chris Boucher. Let me let me not get let me not, not get off on him. Um, they, they've just The point is, though, the Toronto Raptors have made a ton out of this season that I don't think many people expected to be, you know... I, I, don't, I think a lot of people expected them to be, like, a borderline playoff team. I think that's what they expected. And then they would sell off at the trade deadline, and they'd be the 11th seed. Um, I think they were kind of thought of in the same vein as the Thunder, except I think people thought the Thunder were worse, which, to be fair... It's probably a reasonable assumption because, you know, the Thunder didn't, like, win the title last year. I mean, obviously, I know guys left, but I mean, the Raptors were always going to be good. They were always going to be good. I mean, come on. Siakam was going to – you know Siakam was going to do this, but I thought he'd grow into this role a little bit. Uh, and at the very least, they were going to be a decent team. They were not going to be selling all their parts of the deadline. I, it's easy for me to say that now, I guess. Um – I I think one thing that definitely stood out while trying to think of this, this is another team like the Thunder. Actually, it's hard to really make trades that make sense just because um, of the culture. You know, do you really want to trade these guys and bring in? So I think if you trade Marcus Gasol for a guy of equivalent talent. So I was talking about this in the OKC section. If you trade Marcus Gasol for Stephen Adams, that makes sense to me in theory because Adams is like five or six years younger. I don't know if that makes sense on their team, though. I don't know if the institutional knowledge that Marc Gasol has with that team, and more importantly, that every other player, Kyle Lowry, Ibaka, Norm Powell, Van Vliet, Siakam, all the institutional knowledge they have uh, of playing with Marc Gasol and how to integrate their game with Marc Gasol's game, I think that is lost, obviously, when you trade Gasol as well. So I think it's hard to truly gauge the value that you lose when you just trade off a guy like Gasol. Not, I mean, it's not even like he's been there for forever, um, but he just brings so much knowledge, and it's just a a way of playing with him is so different than playing with Steven Adams. And Steven Adams is great, but the problem is... So Steven Adams is going to be awesome. He's going to get you your, your rebounds. He's going to be... He's going to be in the background. You're not going to have to notice him. He will, you know, he'll let you shine. That was the great thing with him and Russell Westbrook. Is Steven Adams didn't need to do anything flashy. He would set up Russ to shine. Marc Gasol does that as well, but he does it in a different way. He doesn't do it by standing in the background and letting you, uh, you know, get on his shoulders. Marc Gasol sets you up. Marc Gasol gets the, uh, you know, the touch pass over the middle of the field so you can you know, score the goal. He is a different, he's a different type of player to play with. And if you're used to playing with a Marc Gasol, and all of a sudden you have Steven Adams, and you're doing everything right, and you're like, why am I not getting the ball? Steven's not passing me the ball. Well, it's because he's not Marcus Gasol. And that's tough, you know. And you can't really hold Steven Adams to that, that standard. But at the same time, as a player, it's hard to readjust to, especially in the middle of the season. I think that's what's most critical. Is we're like gonna be 40 45 games in when these trades happen. You, you're not gonna have that much time to readjust, it's tough. Um, you have to make that calculation is it worth it to bring this guy in? If you're bringing in Mark Gasol, um, I think it makes more sense. You were trying to teach guys to play with Mark Gasol, but what you're probably just trying to do is maximize Mark as much as possible. You're trying to take you know your ground level and maximize it. But when you bring in a guy like Steven Adams, I'm worried that what you could do is that could um, sort of regress. You could, when you give up that component of Mark's passing, is that just something that kind of cripples the team? Not not wholly, but is it sort of, you know, the, the, the needle that breaks the camel's back? Um, I think it's possible. Even training a guy like Serge Ibaka, like they – they won a title last year. I know what their parts do. They've been winning this year. I know what their team does. I don't want to tinker with it. Because there's a lot of room to fall down. As opposed to the Thunder, like the Knicks. I'm not worried about making a trade for the Knicks, because what are they gonna do? Lose again? Like I'm not I'm just not concerned about that. But if you trade Serge Ibaka and all of a sudden the the the, the Raptors lose six trade, I'm like, oh my god, what did I do? Like, why did I disrupt the team? Why didn't I just keep them the same? And and Masai Ujiri is a really smart guy, and he's got so much security, and everyone knows he's a you know a brilliant GM. He's probably got a little more uh you know personal security th- than to think that. I'm sure it's there though, you know. It, it's just tough because at the end of the day, unless you're getting like a clear, clear talent upgrade, you're probably just not going to make the move. Because the guy is going to have to, even if he is like more talented, even if he's clearly more talented, he's going to have to come in and fit. And if the fit is only 75% as good and the guy was 10% more talented, well, you know, run the numbers. There's a chance that your team just got 2% worse. I don't know that for sure, but it's – if the numbers are there, and it's quite possible that's what's going to happen if you just try to make a marginal talent upgrade. If the guy is 75% better than the guys you traded out. Well, it probably doesn't matter. The fit's going to work itself out. The guy is going to be talented enough. You have to be cautious about those just minor fringe borderline talent upgrades, especially if you're a team like the Raptors and you have just, you know, so. Much, so much of what you do is like you're your stifling defense that's so predicated on a guy like Kyle Lowry, Marcus you know, these smart, smart guys, with great communication, so many years of experience. Um, and, and and all this is to say, I think the most likely thing you're going to see from the Raptors is like Stanley Johnson getting traded. I just don't think they're going to trade Kyle Lowry or Marcus or Serge. I think they're a really good team this year. I think Mas- Masai is sort of... Man, I think, I think a lot of times people think a guy like Masai has this master plan. It's like, well, I'm going to win a title with the Toronto Raptors in 2019 and then I will go two more years and do X and Y and then I'm going to go to the Knicks and three years from then I'm going to do this. He's probably trying to play the market. He's just seeing what things, you know, evolve. I think he's looking at this team and saying, okay, well, wow, Siakam, Pascal really took off. Maybe these guys, maybe I should just stay and keep building this team. I mean, we could just be legends in this city. It could be something special. you know." And then he waits a year, and maybe if the team's not as good, he bolts. Yeah, I, I think he is not planning out five years in advance with Toronto right now, though. And I think if you were, it would be foolish. You, you have... A really weird team. You got a really interesting level of talent. Uh but you you're a good team. And you need to you need to see what you can do with it. Um so I think most what's most likely is they trade Stanley Johnson and like Malcolm Miller. Those are the two guys really out of their rotation, other than um I guess Duan Hernandez. Um even even like, you know, Matt Thomas, Terrence Davis has been a huge part of their rotation. Um Pat McCaw, Rondae Hollis-Jefferson, all big parts of the rotation. Norm Powell, big part of the rotation. Um, so it's really those two guys. They So Stanley Johnson makes $3.6 million. Uh, Malcolm Miller, $1.5 million. So, again, you're not working with that much. Uh, that's another Reggie Bullock possibility. Uh, again, funny. I don't know if they even really need Reggie Bullock. I don't know if he would be in their rotation, but I know Stanley Johnson is probably not going to be in their rotation at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, because he's been on their team for half a year, and he hasn't been in the rotation. Um, I'm going to assume that means the same is going to happen next year. I see no reason to assume otherwise. A couple other trades, though. I did have a couple more interesting ones. If Trey Lyle hadn't started 17 games for the Spurs, I think his name would be really interesting here. Um, unfortunately, I think the Spurs probably value him a little more than you know the scraps that the Raptors would be willing to give up. And I don't think the Raptors probably don't think he's valuable enough to give up real assets. Um, just a name I thought would be interesting though. Kind of in the same vein, Dario Saric. Dario Saric, uh, obviously the Suns traded for him this off season. You know, traded down from the number six to the number eleven pick. It uh, picked him up as well. I mean, they're gonna have to re-sign him this off season. Uh, although, you know, I kind of thought, I kind of thought maybe he. Huh. So he's actually started 35 or 38 games. I thought maybe he had started a few fewer games. Um, but, I mean, I guess, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they've got, you know, Mikael Bridges, definitely more of a three. Not really, I don't think, going to play that much four. Uh, Cam Johnson, you know, is six-eight, but he's not a four. He's a two, probably, maybe a three. Uh, it's spot minutes. And then Kaminsky, I guess, if you want to play some Kaminsky minutes. Uh, the thing would be, if they decided they wanted to go uh, Twin Towers with Baines and Aiden, and it seems like they decidedly do not want to do that. So they probably actually are going to keep Saric. He probably is a big part of their... You know who it is. It'd be Kelly Oubre. But the thing is, Mikael Bridges hasn't been good enough to be their three. So if they had faith that Mikael Bridges and Kelly Oubre could be their starting forwards, I think that Saric would make sense as a, as a trade target for the Raptors. But I think it's pretty clear... Um, given that Mikhail's not starting, you know, started three of thirty-eight games, they just don't trust him. Twenty-nine percent from three, on only one point six attempts a game. It's, it's it's not that's not good, not good. Um, you know, I'm not going to count him out yet, but scoring six point eight game per game, twenty-two minutes. He he's he's he's. More of a project than I think you would have expected for for a guy his age. Um, The last name, though, I definitely want to consider Wancho Hernan Gomez. Wancho on the Nuggets. I talked about him earlier. Wancho makes a ton of sense. Um, He's not in Denver's rotation. He hasn't really been. He's more of a flyer, um, like I'm talking about. I think if you give up Stanley Johnson and Malcolm Miller, actually, how much does... Yeah, yeah, Hernan Gomez only makes $3.3 million, so you do Stanley Johnson for Hernan Gomez straight up and Raptors probably throw in a second-round pick, I the mean, Nuggets probably do that. I think at this point they've given up on getting... They they haven't gotten any assets for him. Unless they really just think he's going to break out, then I, 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 I don't know. It's, it seems more like he's just kind of there uh, than that they are really big fans of him and think he just needs one more year on the bench not playing. Um, so maybe, maybe maybe the Raptors can make a move for him. That that would be a great positional fit, to be certain. Uh, the two other trades I did talk about in the Thunder section, Ibaka for Gallinari. Um, again, this is, I just don't know. I don't have the, the knowledge of how their team works to know. Does that make sense? I think it makes a lot of sense in terms of Serge Ibaka isn't really creating as many shots this at this at this point in his career he's not really a shot creator like he, he would hit mid-range shots and whatnot he creates a little bit like of those mid-range those larger twos but yeah he's more of a spot-up shooter and more of a stiff sh- spot-up shooter at that he's, he's not a movement shooter uh, to be certain I think Gallinari would just be much more of a versatile score I mean maybe you try you you're probably getting Gallinari hoping to resign him Um and i think it probably makes more sense to re Oh, i don't know that one's tough actually i was going to say it makes more sense to resign gallinari than ibaka long term but uh, at least ibaka is usually playing the problem with gallinari long term is you know you sign him for 4 years 25 million he tears his acl next year well you just lost the best year of value on that contract so now it's pretty much a three-year, $75 million contract. Except he's a year older than when you initially signed it. So it's just, uh, that would be a little, I mean, it's just something you'd have to consider. Because um, you're probably not going to trade for him just as a rental. Maybe maybe you would. Maybe you would if, if you just, that'd be weird. That'd be a weird thing to do, though, for the Raptors. You know, just trade a guy like Surge. I think Surge is probably a big part of their culture. Um, the other one, though, that I mentioned, Gasol for Ibaka. It's Gasol for a all for Stephen Adams. Um and I, I think I went through, you know, my thoughts on that. Again, I just don't I don't really know I don't really know if that makes sense. Um for either team to be honest. Um d I, I don't know if the Thunder trade Stephen Adams for you know, Gasol in a second round pick. Does that does that is that really worth it for them? Maybe they would just rather keep Steven Adams. I'm sure Marcus Al would be fun, but I, I don't know. It's just, I think very often one of these, you know, I'm gonna kind of close this up, but one of the one of the takeaways I've had, and you always see the little trade, like who says no things on Twitter, it's like, man, teams don't just move guys willy-nilly. You don't just move guys because there's like a really, really marginal benefit you might see. Like these guys are not. Robots—they're not like lines of code. They're people. They like they—they have fits. They fit with certain people better, and they fit with certain personalities better. And you know, they have to learn your language. They have to learn what you're you're trying to do as a team, and they learn habits. You know, they learn how to play off a guy like Mark Gasol or a guy like Nikola Jokic or a guy like LeBron James, like you. You pick up the institutional knowledge, the phrase I used earlier. That stuff is lost when you just make trades in the middle of the season, especially the middle of the season, especially the middle of the season. Because you come into the year, you know, that's the beauty of the NBA. It's a fresh start to every year. And that's the world of business, like you, you have your whatever normal day job. There's no start and end. It's just you're there and you're doing your job. The NBA, though, you come in and there's a fresh start every year. It's beautiful. It's one of the most amazing things about the sport, about sports in general. Clean slate. You establish your, your mission statement. You know What are we going to do this year and how are we going to do it? And when you trade guys four months into the year, you've lost the guys that were there listening to that speech and you have guys that are like, I don't know what we're doing here. Can you fill me in? I mean, it's you can do it. You know, the Raptors did it last year. They traded for Marcus Gasol. Teams do it all the time. But what they don't do is just make even value trades because they think, eh, why not? There's no why not in trading. You make trades that you think are going to help your team because there's a lot of risk in just trading a guy away. If you trade the wrong guy, he might hate you. He might hate you. If you, if you do, if you trade a guy in the wrong circumstance, he's, you know he will hate you and he will tell everybody. What you did. I mean. You can't value that stuff that much. You have to live your own life. You have to be a team. And make responsible decisions. But I think this is going to be a trade deadline. That really bears out the idea. That you don't just make. Even value trades. That you're not getting anything out of. If you're making a trade. There's a potential. For your team to really benefit from the trade either in the short term or the long term hopefully you know ideally I think in the NBA what what everyone wants is to find a trade where both teams uh, have a good chance at profiting off of the trade that's what you want I mean if I go and make a trade with a guy and he you know gets crap out of it and I, you know, get a really good deal, he's not going to want to trade with me next time because that sucked for him. But if we trade and I get something good, but he gets something great, well, yeah, he's going to come trade with me again because it worked out. Um, I, I, I think that's just, you know, it's, it's, we always forget the human aspect. And, and the fact that this is like, yeah, it's a business, but like, have any of y'all worked at a business before? You know what businesses have? Like PR and like company initiatives and like, you know, the CEO recording a video and sending it out telling everyone, hey guys, we're working, we're doing this this year and I'm so glad you're a part of our organization and thanks for buying in. And, you know, that organizations are human made. They are not run through the trade machine, man. And I think that's just forgotten this time of year. But if you want to be good at this, if you really want to predict what's going to happen, or even just try to guess at what's going to happen, you gotta consider it. If you don't consider, you know, the ramifications of like the PR of a team, you're not gonna you're not gonna ac- accurately predict stuff. You gotta consider everything. Um, I think some people take it as a sign of pride. They're like, "Well, I don't care." What the ramifications are? I don't care if you know the media paints me as the villain for doing this. Yeah, well, you know who does care? The people that actually have to go through it. People get like death threats if you make this trade, and the people that are get you know like fired if your owner sees too much backlash from something. Like it's not even just a oh my feelings are hurt, like because you know who else's feelings are hurt? The owner. It's not like you get to choose your owner. There's thirty jobs in the league. <laughs> 30, 30, and not all of them are getting open every couple of years, you know? I think it's just, it's really easy to play armchair GM. You know, we always talk about armchair coach, the the guys sitting back watching the game, it's like, ah, you should have done this and that, if you'd done X and Y, you would have won the game. What a terrible call by the coach, what a terrible game by the coach. You don't really know what you're talking about, though. I think that's very similar for most of these GMs. I speculate all this stuff. I Again, I try to admit, though, when I know I don't know how this works. Um, and, and for all of these situations, you have to give you know, merit to the fact that we don't know how the personal dynamics work. We don't know which of these guys like each other, which of these guys fit together, who's best friends, who doesn't really talk, who the coaches like, who the coaches don't like, who uh, is close to the front office, all that stuff. You have to consider it all. If you don't, you're you're not really not really doing a thorough job. Um uh, last couple of takeaways I wanna wanna say though. You know, I think all in all, I mentioned earlier, I don't think this is a, gonna be a very active trade deadline. I think there'll probably be a lot of marginal moves, you know. Sixers are gonna make their their Zyre Smith and Mike Scott move. They're gonna do it. You know? There's gonna be the the LA probably LA probably uh, they might hold on to Kuzma at this point, just because I think LA is very PR focused. Um, there's there's varying levels of it, and LA is <laughs> very PR focused. Um, especially he had that forty point game, you know, a couple of days ago. So I could see them just holding for now. But uh, trades like that are just gonna happen. Like trades like that always happen. The marginal, low salary, low impact trades. This is a guy. He's not doing anything on our team. Let's just trade him off for a guy who might do something on our team. And and for the bad team that has the guy that might do something. Well, we have this guy. We're not really doing anything. And he's just like, okay. Can we get like a second round pick for him? Okay, cool. Yeah, let's do it. Um. But like the Blake Griffin trade a couple years ago? I don't see that coming. And I don't think anyone saw that coming when the Blake Griffin trade happened. But again, there's just not really... Not really anything that makes sense like that. And obviously we had Drew Holiday as like the big primary candidate to be be traded. He's probably not getting traded now. Pelicans are just gonna hold on to him. Um, Andre Drummond's probably one you really look to. I don't know. I mean he's a big salary guy, he's not really that impactful though. Um, is, is the issue with him. You know, if Covington goes, maybe it's Covington. It's not a strong trade market though. What you're gonna see a lot of is teams bolstering their depth. Um, and that's what makes the Oklahoma City Thunder so intriguing to me, because they're the one team that really offers starter level talent, outside of you a few guys like the Marcus Morris's, and even, you know, Marcus Morris. I say that he's maybe your sixth or seventh best player on, a, on like a, a real title contender. Uh, if he's more than that, you're probably not a real title contender, uh, or you're very top heavy. Um. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I think there's just not that many assets out there. There's not that many teams that have have great trade packages. There's not that many guys to give with the trade packages. There's no Paul George dangling out there ready to get traded from the Pacers. There's no Kawhi Leonard injured feuding with the Spurs. There's no Bradley Buell sitting on the market. Like Bradley Beal is not eligible to be traded right now. There's nothing there's no Anthony Davis agitating for a trade. Is not really anything. Unless you want to start the Giannis Giannis Trade Rumors. Uh, and I think that's how I want to end it, uh, with Giannis Trade Rumors. Uh <laughs> no, just kidding. Um I will I, I I will I will definitely have further Ben Simmons for Bradley Beal trade discussions in the future though. Uh that might be my new pet project. Uh yeah. Yeah, this this was a lot of fun. Uh glad I could finally cap out the trade series. I'm definitely going to do more stuff on the trade deadline going forward, but, you know, it'll be good to uh, record some other stuff too soon. I'll probably do a podcast on my latest mock draft uh, later this week. Just sort of, I mean, I haven't really talked much about college basketball at all this year. Sort of just go into that, talk about them. Maybe I'll do a Clemson football podcast after the national championship. We'll see. Uh, Might be, might be might be matchup, sorry, might be result dependent, maybe, (laughs) uh, yeah, that's that's all though, that's all for this episode, thanks y'all for tuning in, it's been a pleasure as always, if you enjoyed what you heard, maybe give us a rating, maybe a review, uh, and subscribe if you'd like to hear in the future, uh, yeah, peace y'all, thanks for tuning in.